Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Jeff. Yep. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I am pretty excited that uh, there there was announced um, uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. Was announced and it is being made by the people who made... Um, uh, uh, Divinity Original Sin. Oh, okay. At least Original Sin 2. I don't know if it's the same team that made the first one. I imagine it is. But uh-huh. anyway, Divin- Divinity uh, 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 Original Sin 2 is a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Really good. I like. I love the, the combat because it's turn-based. Yeah. But it's like a it's co-op game. You can play with up to four, four players, and they're all you can all move around independent and do like a split-screen thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, you can do local co-op and all that. So like, there's lots of options. But the cool thing is, is like, when one person gets into a battle yeah. and it's turn-based, everything doesn't freeze for everybody. Oh, okay. Like, there's okay. basically a uh, area in which the combat is taking place, and if somebody from outside steps into it, they get moved into the next round of initiative. That's actually really cool. It's really cool, and like the, and it's like you know, it's turn-based tactical, and mm-hmm. like you can use the terrain, and like there's effects on the terrain, so like there might be like water on the ground so if you hit somebody with an electric attack it yeah. you know, shocks them and does more damage or you can freeze it and they might slip on it or something i am like always that. a fan of of uh turn-based battle turn-based games that like involve the environment and stuff like yeah. that so so i'm i'm pretty excited for it for those for that team to be working on a actual D game mm-hmm. and the teaser for it was very exciting for me because it involved <laughs> well i'll let people watch it okay okay i'll put it in the in the show notes yeah um similarly they announced neverwinter nights for the Switch. Oh, that's right. So Neverwinter Nights is a actually very old computer game. It came out... It was out before I started playing D&D. So it's, it's been out for uh, probably over 15 years by wow. this point. Um, they recently released on Steam and various platforms a the Enhanced Edition. Yeah. Which is like it's upscaled, you know, works with HD, HD uh, uh, displays right, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's got all of the DLC included, mm-hmm. all the, well, expansions, because they didn't call them DLC at the time. Right, yeah. Um, it's that old. It uh, they, they released the Enhanced Edition for Steam. I got it on Steam a couple weeks ago on sales, like $4. But then they announced it's coming out on the Switch. Yeah. And one of the great things about Neverwinter Nights is that even way back when it first came out, you could make your own modules for mm-hmm. it. One person could make a D&D game in this computer game, yep. which is based on third edition D&D. And then other players could play it, could play through your game. And you could even play other people's games online. It was like really, really, really good. The Switch version is going to have multiplayer cross-play with PC. Right. So you could, so somebody could be sitting at their play, at their PC being a mm-hmm. DM and then like you could have like three people in the room yes. playing on their Switches or whatever. And I think that is amazing. Now, I will say that the Divinity... Original Sin 2 uh-huh. has that same sort of game mode thing that okay. you can do. And so I am just, I am hope against hope, hoping that they are going to make a, like, a version of Baldur's Gate, the version of Baldur's Gate 3 that I'm hoping mm-hmm. for is them having a, like, a, a DM mode yeah. that is using modern day gaming technology okay. to make a, you know, to make a D&D game that you can, like, you can create worlds and stuff like that. I want it to be a, the, like, the uh, I'm just hoping it's, like, the perfect virtual ter- tabletop. <laughs> sure, you know? yeah. It, there really isn't an excuse for there not to be this exact game <sighs> yeah. 
it's Neverwinter Nights had had stuff like this 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah. They should be able to do this nowadays and do it really, really well. Yeah. I love Neverwinter Nights. I, it's a great oh, game. I oh, the first time I ever bought a graphics card. Oh, was yeah. For Neverwinter Nights. Awesome. Because before awesome. it was just like, oh, my dad's computer. OK, yeah. I play games on it. But like Neverwinter Nights was the first game where I was like, I like I looked at the specs and was like, oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, it's just we just have a standard I don't even think it had a graphics card. I think it just had, it was just like, uh, uh, you know, visuals off of the processor or something like that. Yeah. So that was the first time I ever <laughs> upgraded a computer and first time I bought a graphics card and it came with a copy of uh, Splinter Cell. Okay. Which was a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, my first time I ever upgraded my computer was for World of Warcraft. So there so you go. Similar. Yep. Um, I, my first time ever playing Neverwinter Nights, I had started, I had just started playing D&D with this group that I, like, they taught me how to play the game and everything. I played with them. The I think the group eventually fell apart, but I was, at the time, I was still pretty good friends with the DM, and he would have me over. I would come over to his house, and then we'd go into his basement. He had, they had, like, three computers down there, so he would be at one computer, I'd be at another, we'd be playing in the same world, yeah. but we didn't have to stay together. Yeah. We're in, like, a big city, there's a bunch of side quests in every direction, he would go off in his direction, I would go off in my direction. Right. And it was so cool. We were both playing the same game and we could affect each other and each other's games and such, yeah. but we could be on our own computers doing our own thing. If I'm remembering correct, correctly, like the first like major quest line of Neverwinter uh, Nights yeah. was like you're in Neverwinter and there's like, I think there's like three or four different like districts you got to go and do a certain thing in. Yeah. And you got to get like artifacts or something there's these there's this disease and the uh the cure for the disease can be gotten from these four creatures you have to catch the four creatures escape yes and you have to go through the city catching the four creatures and bring them back right or at least part of them i want to say you like end up with like you well yeah you're you're trying to you can kill like you kill them and you bring back like the piece of them that yeah has the component that you need right so like like as you bring back each piece, like you turn it into the main quest giver mm-hmm. and she like sort of like announces to everybody to the city. Like, yeah, you know, the adventurers have, you know, collected the piece of the, the dry water Davian creatures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The water Davian. Cre- oh, gosh. Dang it. See, is it on? Is it on switch yet or is it comes out in December? Oh. It's out. On, it's out on on. Here's the thing, though, Jeff. We could play this for friend quest. We could. Oh, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, mean, I, I want to go back. Like, and I own, I own like the diamond version, the edition yeah, or whatever, I, which is this, you know, yeah. as far as I, I've bought several versions yeah. of Neverwinter Nights over the years. And I think Steve told me that like the enhanced edition doesn't have any enhanced graphics yet oh. or something. I just know it, it scales. It scales really well. You don't have to do any mods to make it look, right. to make it fit your screen, which you do have to do with the originals. Yeah. Like it, you had the, uh, yeah, only the resolution only went up to like. I don't know, like at most like seven, like 700, something like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. Great, great series. I mean, like, and I remember the original Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate games, like the first one was in second edition. Mm -hmm. The second one, I think was like in a, like a pseudo third edition. Okay. Like it was still second edition because you were like moving characters from the first one to the second game. Yeah. But like, it was around the time when uh, third edition was a thing. Sure. So, or our third edition was like coming around or something. So like they added like a monk class. I think monk and barbarian. Okay. I think were added. Um, and so like, but they were, you know, trying to fit those into a second edition rule set. Sure. So sure. it was kind of, it was kind of neat actually. And then, and then, um, uh, never winter nights was, I think 3.0. 
Yeah. I want to say. And then I, I think some of the expansions added in some things from 3.5, but the rules themselves never really like shifted over to 3.5. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I'm just so excited about the yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm excited just, about all of this. All I'm this just, stuff. I am just hoping so hard that like I could, we can just play D and D over the internet <laughs> with visual stuff using, using, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate three. Like yeah. if the, if the map making tools are really good, like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll spend the rest of my days designing, you know, stuff. <laughs> It'll be sure. so fun. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so some exciting stuff to uh, to wait for in the in the future. Yep. Um, just a couple other little things. I I bought a new 3D printer. I've yeah. been having issues with my 3D printer. I figured out what the problem is, and it's something that uh, basically I'm very lucky has just hasn't bothered me in the past. Like it, it is, it's always been a problem. It just never really came up. Sure. Um, so I I did order a better printer. My wife told me like, hey, you already <laughs> use it a whole bunch. Go ahead and buy a better one. And so I still have the old one. I'll still use it for stuff, but I did buy like the best one in my, in my price range, which from what I've heard is like one of the, one of the best ones on the market. Sure. Awesome. um, So I'm excited about that. It hasn't arrived yet. Probably it'll it'll arrive tomorrow. Also, apparently uh, the new FromSoft game has been announced and George RR Martin is, is like writing for it. Excuse me? Yeah. George RR Martin and FromSoft. Sorry. It hasn't been announced. It was leaked. Oh, it's, I, is this like for sure thing? I'm pretty sure it is. It is like it had been rumored for a long time that George R. R. Martin was working with FromSoft, and with E3 coming up, there was some sort of a leak that uh, made it made it seem pretty official. I want to say it's called like Elder Ring hmm. or something. I'm embarrassed that I didn't bring it up, but oh well. All right, so you want to go ahead and jump into this episode, Jeff? Sure. Okay. The this intro was submitted by Adam G by email, as was the item. You find yourself at a local marketplace around Mm -hmm. mid-morning on a cloudy Saturday. The usual tents are up. You see cheeses, vegetables, small tools and miscellaneous items, smoked and fresh meat. Your favorite stand is near the east corner of the market. Awesome. Give me a perception check as you approach your favorite stand. Ah, jeez, here we go. Okay. You get up to the stand. Um, everything looks normal to you, <laughs> but uh, you start trying to get somebody's attention and you realize that you're not actually at your, your favorite stand. You're standing at the foot of a giant statue that was not there the previous week. Okay. You kind of, you almost bumped into it. You Maybe you mistook it for a giant standing in the way or something. Uh, but your favorite vendor isn't here and instead there's this stone statue in his place. What do you do? Um... Uh, I don't know. Look, look around. Okay. You start inspecting this statue. As you do, you are sort of like looking over by the statue's face. And then you see the statue's eyes open (gasps) and it sort of turns to look at you. And it is no longer a statue. It's a person. So it's a vendor. Oh. And the vendor says to you, welcome, friend. I'm Lord and I'm new to this market. You haven't heard of me? Well, I'm sure you've heard my jingle. If you are in need and have the gold, listen to tales that great adventurers told. For the best in the land, go to Treasures of Lord and find your wares at the Dragon's Hoard. Uh, So again, that was submitted by Adam G. As was this item. The item is a very simple one. Mm. Maybe we'll get some good discussion out of it. Maybe it'll just be a quick... We'll cover it and move on. Sure. The item is the Boots of Stone. 
Boots of Stone. Once per day, <gasps> refreshes exactly at midnight. Oh. As an action, you turn into stone for up to 24 hours. You can hear and see, but you can't turn your head or move your eyes, but you can dismiss this effect at any time. Okay. So the merchant in the story, I guess, was wearing the boots. Sure. And then when <laughs> you were inspecting him, he came out of the, right. the thing. That's really cool. You know what that made me think of? What's that? Well, because I'm confusing two items, obviously. is okay. the, there's, the, there's the boot in Mario 3. Oh, Kuribo's shoe. Yes, we covered that on right. another episode. But it made me think of the Tanuki suit. Absolutely. Which turn into stone. Absolutely. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like kinda, it kind of fits the Mario 3 theme, I think. Yeah. But so... Yeah, being able to turn into a stone statue, like in like disguise yourself, definitely got its uses. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, so so it is very reminiscent of the uh, the Tanuki suit, which for anybody who did not play Mario Three, was a power up that you got in that game where it it gave you uh you were wearing like a a raccoon suit pretty much. Although I mean specifically, it's a Tanuki suit. A Tanuki mm. being a uh, a real life creature in Japan, but also a mythical creature in sure. Japan, a, a real life creature that had mythical properties attached to it. Um, and you could fly because that's how the raccoon tail worked in that game. But also if you press down and B, you would turn into a statue. Right. For as long as you held down and B, you would remain immobile. Nothing could hurt you, but you couldn't move. Yeah. So very similar to that. Um, in there was another Mario game where... It didn't involve the Tanuki suit, but in Mario RPG, there's a point where Mario poses as a statue. He like gets himself painted gold, and he he's in a stat he's in a, a temple or not a temple a, a palace where there's all these gold statues. So he's mm. posing as one of the statues, and then this bad guy comes along, and he's a big bird. He starts like pecking the statues to make sure that they're not Mario in disguise. Right. So there's a little mini game where every time he goes and he'll peck one statue, peck the next statue. And then he goes to peck you. You have to jump at the last second so that you don't jump too early. So he he doesn't see you jump. Right. But he goes to peck and he doesn't hit you. And then he moves on to the next one. <laughs> but then he starts doing them in different orders. And like he'll, you know, maybe he'll skip over one to get to you or whatever. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that made me, made me think of that as well. Sure. So what, are, what do you think are some interesting uses of being able to turn into a statue? Um, I mean... Really, like like an ambush or something would be good. Like okay. you, you can ambush an enemy or something. So like you're in a you're you're in like a dungeon or or a temple or something like that, and you can like around the corner or some bad guys, you make a noise and turn mm -hmm. into a statue and wait for them to come by. Yeah, um, um, it could be useful. At, like in you know, could be useful to a duel for a tool for the DM, and then a nice little Ooh. a nice little treat for the players to have once they've defeated whatever enemy is using it. Like, maybe they're hired to go and retrieve a statue or something. Mm. And then they, they go in, they fight a bunch of bad guys, they get the statue, they bring it back, they have it in there, they're waiting until the next day, they can see that they see the person who hired them that's they're in their base. They've got this statue. They turn the lights off, they go to sleep, <laughs> and then the statue comes to life. Mm-hmm. There you go. That'd be, yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, or, yeah. Some, some, it's some elaborate plan by an assassin or something like that. Yeah. Like, where like somebody poses as like an art dealer and it is like, <laughs> you know, like tries to get the, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I want to, you know, I really want to get this one statue for the king as a as a mm -hmm, gift mm -hmm. or something, and it's like, oh, they go and get this statue, bring it back. Statue comes alive and, and like ass assassinates the king or something like that, and then yep. the party and then the party is to blame because they brought him in there or something like that. Here's an idea. Um, another like 
villain that could have this thing. Let's say there was a Medusa that mm. killed a bunch of adventurers, turned them all to stone, but then eventually the Medusa got killed. Okay. There could be another, there could be like a, a, an assassin or whatever that took up the Medusa's lair as its base. Yeah. And whenever someone comes in, just turns to stone, acts like a statue. Right. Watches them as they pass by, and then when they pass by, stab them in the back. Right, yeah. That, that'd be pretty neat. So yep. yeah, like among all the statues that the Medusa has left behind. But then one of the players notices, wait a minute, the watch he's wearing is from the last, you know, is, is from two, like the Medusa was killed five years ago. That watch is from three years ago. <laughs> sure, right. I recognize that watch anywhere. <laughs> Tupac is singing about the the new Jordans or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I think uh, it's a pretty simple item. Mm-hmm. I don't really think there's much else. I mean, we could just try and come up with some more plot hooks or whatever if we wanted to. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think you know that's up to up to everybody to decide for themselves. I think it's a it's a neat item. Mm-hmm. I would love to toss this into a game and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. So I think that'll do it for the uh, the dragon's horde for today. So thank you, Adam G, for both the item and the intro. Yes, uh, Jeff. If anybody wanted to submit magic items for us to discuss, or questions for us to discuss, or stories for the funeral pyre. How would they do so? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com mm-hmm. or check us out on our interparty discord. You yeah. can find the link at Facebook or Reddit or just send us an email and we'll give you the link. Yeah. Get in contact with us somehow. We'll get that to you. Yep. Uh, yeah. The discord's great. People submit stuff on there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun discussion happens on there. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always something crazy going on. Whenever I'm at work, I always like, you know, I can't <laughs> always interact with the conversations, but I like, yeah. I like reading everybody's, uh, you know, discussions. Yeah. Uh, well, before we go any further, we do have a giveaway to give away today. Oh, yeah. So, as always, we're giving away a copy of Chapel on the Cliffs, courtesy of Goblinstone. Goblinstone is a great uh, group of content creators in Europe, and they've created this great adventure, Chapel on the Cliffs. It's a low-level 5th edition adventure um, for, I think, 2nd through 5th level party members. I think, I think that's right. I think. Uh, it's a great adventure. So, we're giving away a copy every episode. Jeff, who is our winner today? Today's winner is Matthew N. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes. Congratulations, Matthew N. You should be getting that in your email pretty soon. If you don't, uh, let us know. Be sure to check your spam folder. And be sure to let Goblinstone know what you think. Give them a review. I'm sure they can continue to make great products by getting your feedback, using it, whether you liked it or not. Use it to make uh, their products better. Yep. Um, And Jeff, if somebody wanted to enter this drawing, how would they do that? Send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with, mm-hmm. s- with the subject line Chapel on the Cliffs. Yes, correct. So, yeah, it's really, real easy to enter. We're always needing more people. We're always needing people to give this adventure to. You yeah. know, it's a great adventure and, and we want to share it with uh, everybody. So yeah. just send us an email with that, that in the subject line. Uh, I also want to mention our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We've got a Patreon page on there. We've got some cool rewards on there. We've got outtakes. We've got uh, fantasy fiction I write every month. Hopefully by the time this episode goes out, I will have written this month's story. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. see. Um, For a higher tier, we've got bonus episodes every month. We just a few days ago released a bonus episode for this month. Mm -hmm. It was a a very long episode of us talking about Avengers Endgame. Oh, that's right. Two hours we talked about Avengers Endgame. (laughs) 
almost as long as the movie itself, That's I true. guess. We got some really fun discussion on there. Total spoilers. Everything in there was yeah, spoilers. We, we basically described we the movie. everything. Yeah, we, we described the movie at length. And yes, but it's all of our favorite parts. But if, if you watch the movie and you enjoyed it and you want to hear people uh, talk about it, I think we, we had some fun talking about it there. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, we've also got, uh, for the highest tier, you can take part in a monthly Roll20 game that I or Jeff will run. Mm-hmm. I will also write about your character for that month's fiction. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So some cool stuff on there. Check it out at patreon.com slash interparty conflict. See if any of the, t- if any of the tiers appeal to you. If they do, maybe think about tossing us a couple bucks and see if, uh, you know, get some cool stuff in return and help out the podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, uh, just one last thing, check out the other podcasts on the crit nation fellowship. Check out crit Academy at criticademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. They've got some great stuff on there. They've got great products they've been coming out with, one of which I helped write, the uh, um, Unearthed Tips and Tricks book. Mm -hmm. So you should get that product. It's very, very good. Even if I didn't write it, I would say it's very, very good. (laughs) But uh, you can buy that, and hey, I'll get a tiny little cut from it as well. Sure. So uh, so check them out, CritAcademy.com. Also, D&D Character Lab, Garen and Dan create characters every week and then pit them against each other and debate whose is better. And finally, uh, Brute Force and Ignorance are on hiatus at the moment, but they are an actual play podcast with some great players, great DM, lots of fun. Mm -hmm. Let's get into some questions, Jeff. Okay. Our first question comes from StiltskinKupo84 on Reddit. How do you make camp interesting? Yeah. We've had this question on here for a while, and uh, it's um, there's a lot lot of things you can do, I guess. It's... It's always the tendency, kind of similar to travel. Like, we've talked about travel in the past. Right, like, yeah. Do you gloss over travel? Do you describe travel? It's real easy to just say, okay, yeah, you guys rest for the night. You wake up the next day, This, you know, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you really can make camp interesting in if you want to, in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the first way I would recommend is maybe at, well... Try talking to your players. Ask your players, hey, is there anything that your character wants to do when you camp? Right. You know, maybe one of the characters says, oh, yeah, I want to um, I want to tell the, the other players about my backstory or something. Sure. You could maybe have a character um, wants to go hunting and catch some food. And then the DM or the player or whoever can describe what sort of animals they catch, what sort of tracks they find. Um, you can try to make some skill checks in order to maybe give the players a benefit for the next day of travel. Mm. Maybe like if you think that the, if you, you as the DM, if you know that there's going to be an encounter the next day, maybe you could have the players make some skill checks if they roll really well. Maybe they get a bonus on uh, their initiative when the battle starts because they know, oh, we saw some giant tracks. Sure. Yeah. Might give them a heads up on what's going to happen. Sure. Um, or maybe if they do really badly. Tell them the wrong tracks so they get a penalty on something. Sure. You know, when they maybe when they encounter the monster, they you could here here's a weird idea. Let's say you were planning on having them fight some trolls, but they roll really badly on their uh their their checks. So maybe the next day you describe them as trolls, but it's actually something else stat wise. So maybe some of the things they're like, wait a minute, but we're using fire on it. It's not helping. Well, it's not actually a troll. You thought it was a troll. Right. Yeah. Because you, but it's actually just like a weird giant or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just sort of, yeah. Mess, mess them up somehow. Yeah. Sure. Just try and, and come up with something that will get the players more active when they go to rest. Mm-hmm. So, if it's something character based, if you want to get some, some exposition out there, if you want to, to, 
have the players do some role playing, you know, try and facilitate that and use some skill checks or whatever and try to maybe give them a benefit afterwards because they did so. Yeah. Maybe give them all advantage, give them all uh, inspiration. Sure. For everybody who, you know, shared a story at the campfire. Yeah. So sort of like, like a well-rested buff mm-hmm. uh, in like mm-hmm. a video game or something like that. Um, I want to say with if you're if you're going to be doing stuff during rests, uh, try not to get in the habit of only doing rests when you're going to have a random encounter or something Good like that. Good point. So like if... If you normally gloss over your travel and rest, yeah, you know, but then you decide, okay, you guys are camping for the night. Who's keeping watch? You know, like, sure, you're sure. sort of setting up that expectation, like, okay, something's gonna happen. Yeah. So if you're gonna do, like, if you're gonna do activities in camp, make it like a regular thing, and it doesn't always have to be like a huge thing, but just like a small thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Again, I keep referring to this same YouTuber, uh, Z Bashu. Yeah. One of one of the videos that I always go back to because I think it's an interesting. You always go bash you. <laughs> Sorry. So, one of the videos I always go back to because there's some neat little like DM like DMing um like the uh, techniques I guess. Yep. One of them is just like you like to get the characters to get to know each other. You sort of have like a little list of like questions you can have one character asks another or mm-hmm. you know just little things to help get to know each other. So maybe you have like a little list of things that you can bring up it's like oh, okay um you know player a you once you once saw somebody you know once you once saw a monster you know uh kill somebody you knew tell us about that you like sure you kind of helped craft the player's backstory yeah have like have have discussion prompts yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so have like and you like you throw maybe one or two of those out every time you stop at camp mm-hmm. and then you can help and then that sort of like builds the bonds and you know between both between characters between players and then between the player and their character yeah. you know um uh I, I, there was, I had a weird thing come in my head where it's like have have camp 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 could be like a little activity that is between the players that the dm doesn't necessarily have to be there for okay maybe so like maybe it's sort of like a a time time for the dm to prepare the next area sure so like camp could be all right you're at camp five minute break it could be as simple as that yeah you could just make camp an out of game hey okay you guys are setting up camp let's take a five minute break that's that's kind of interesting actually um I also thought of maybe like, I was like, okay, what what could be something that could be done without the DM? Yeah. What if they played cards? What if okay. you have like a card game? What? Well, let's say you have a magic deck of cards. Okay. That when you play a card, when you play a like an honest game, yeah, with those cards, you get like some sort of magical buff. Hmm. So like, so it's just like it's just like a, you you give the players yeah like an objective to do outside of the game in yeah. a way. So it's like okay, you just give them an actual game of play of cards. Sure. You know. Although that kind of seems a little I don't know, like you're treating them like children. <laughs> you're trying to like <laughs> here, here, go s- occupy yourself right, while yeah. I get everything here, ready. Here I'll slip in this DVD of Shrek while I go <laughs> while I go get drunk in the kitchen. Yeah. No. Uh <laughs> Sorry, I described a really bad parenting habit. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I don't have children. Um, also, your, Shrek was not around when you were a child. So. <laughs> well, I did. I did want when I was babysitting one of my uh, one of my nieces once. We yeah. like I put on Shrek and like I liked Shrek, so I watched it too. <laughs> and uh, and I remember uh, like she was sitting on like the couch, which mm-hmm. is in full view of like the front door. Yeah, and I was sitting in the chair, which is not. Yeah. And so my sister came and like knew that I was babysitting my niece and like I was fairly young at the time. So they were a little like, 
hopefully he gets this right. And it looked like you had just put on track and left. <laughs> yeah. So my, my sister walks in the door and she's like, Jeff, <laughs> like, and I like, I peek around the corner and she's like, oh, okay, good. You're with, with yeah. right. <laughs> like, no, I just, I just left the kid in there and went upstairs and played on my computer. She's no, like, I'm getting drunk in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm getting drunk in the kitchen. Um, yeah. So yeah, some sort of activity that doesn't necessarily need the DMs full attention so they mm-hmm. can use that time to plan out the next, you know, part of the adventure. Sure. The, the important thing is that if, if you have players that are engaging in the story, they're engaging in the game world, then it's going to be easier to implement something like this. If the players are not interested in that, it's going to be real hard to get them to care about whether or not camp is interesting. Like yeah. you got to have, you got to have some real interesting stuff for them to, to, to care. Mm-hmm. Um, if it seems like none of these things would fit your group, don't force it. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, but if you do want to, if you do think that the players will enjoy it, um, I was thinking maybe try and make, try and make camp into like a little bit of maybe a mini game. Mm-hmm. You could, this would probably be a lot of work to come up with all this stuff, but like yeah. you could build the camp as if it were like a dungeon or something or like work with the players to figure out, okay, how are you camping tonight? Where are your tents located? Where are you going to be watching? You know, who's going to be keeping watch? Where are you going to be keeping watch from? What are you going to be doing to keep the fire from going out if it rains? You know, like work with the players to figure out some of the minutia of camp. Mm -hmm. If the players are engaging in the game world, that might be interesting to them. And then when you do have an encounter, when you, they do get ambushed in the night or whatever, then you could use some of that to their advantage. If they're always like, okay, yeah, we set up like barbed wire and all this stuff. We we set up all these defenses. And that means that in the event they do get attacked, the players start off with a bunch of advantages. Sure, yeah. But I, it, it it is going to take the right kind of players and then also a lot of work setting that up ahead of time so it doesn't seem like the one time you work with them to come up with the camp is the one time they get attacked. Right, you know? yeah. We... to. With what you were saying, Jeff, there were to give some examples from other episodes of the podcast that we've mentioned. If you are because you were saying like if it's the one time, if you know there's going to be encounters, right. so that's the one time you ask them who's on watch. Yeah, similar to if they enter a room and you're like, yeah, there's a bookcase, a desk, and on the desk you notice there's a golden quill. Of course, they're going to go for that. They're going to assume that that quill is right. important. Yeah. Um. But so going with that example, if you if the only time that it is ever in question is the one time where it becomes an encounter. Right. The players are sort of going to suspect that from now yeah. on. You got to kind of like do it, whether there's going to be an encounter or not mm. so that, you know, when, it, when it does lead to something else, it's not super obvious. Right. And I feel like when the player suspects something that is the biggest time sink in a session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's they, true. Cause they will over plan. Yeah. Everything to meticulous detail when they suspect something, whether or not there's something actually there. Yeah. So like, you know, so you, you don't want, you never want the players to suspect something one, because you, <laughs> you know, surprises are fun. Sure. You, you want to, you want to have good surprises and, and not every encounter should be bad. Right. Some encounters should be good. Maybe yeah. like a, a noble that got lost in the woods stumbles out and he offers them a reward if they help him get to yeah. safety or whatever. That can be a thing that happens. Going back again to that Zeba shoot. Thing, yeah, which um, have we put that link up? At, at? I, I put it in the show notes okay. a couple times. Um, the, it's like one of the things is like the the they have like sort of like a 
like you know you're pulling um you know slips of paper out of a hat sort mm-hmm. of thing where they mm-hmm. like you know the dm throws in two bad things and then every player can throw in one bad thing and one good thing. Oh, okay. And so for everyone, you know, for every player that adds into that, you have a higher chance of getting something good. Oh my goodness. That is such a good idea. It is. It's great. having the players design the random encounters. Exactly. And like, you know, you would still oh go kind of go through them and like make sure that they're they make sense for yeah, the area yeah. and they're not like too powerful in one in one direction or the other. But Jeff, could, you just blew my mind. It's great, isn't it? That is so good. I, like you know, that's that. That's why I always bring this guy up because like he's he's got some good content in there. Plus, yeah. you know, he t- he has a few like just like D and D stories, mm-hmm. and he tells them pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's just like so like the you know maybe the the rogue really wants you know there to be like a traveling merchant that he can steal from or something like sure. that. So that might be a good one that he puts in there. But as yeah. a bad one, like oh, okay, troll, you know. So like you know, there's a chance that oh that that traveling merchant might show up and the next next time you guys you know stop for a rest mm-hmm. you know it might pass by and then and then the you know the thief's gonna get really excited you know? yeah so yeah you you're kind of yeah you're letting the you're letting the players sort of pick most of the random encounters you know the DM threw a couple in there too yeah and and that's uh, that's not specifically about camp but I mean it can lead right. to camp because when you rest that's always the the I don't know, the danger, I suppose, mm. is that there might be an encounter in the middle of the night or the next day or whatever. Maybe, uh, yeah. You know what? If you're if you're of the habit of doing an encounter in travels and camps and stuff like mm-hmm. that, maybe the camp could be the time when the players come up with those things. I really like this idea. So, like, so like okay, the players, ta- okay, everybody take five minutes, make your good thing and bad thing. Yeah. While I decide what I want to do in the next, you know, like, like once you guys travel and have done that random encounter, mm-hmm. then I know what's going to happen next, you know? Sure. Sure. So, um, yeah. So as far as like making camp itself more interesting, one idea that I had will kind of lead into our next question. I think, uh, you can have players in the group tell stories. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, you know, just have a moment like, Hey, okay. You guys are sitting around the campfire. Who's telling tonight's story? Sure. And, you know, have they could, the player could make up a ghost story right, or yeah. a, a uh, myth or something mm-hmm. and then bring that in. And then if, if you'd like, you don't have to do it every, because the thing about all of this is that if the players are making like a 12 day journey, you don't want to 12 times sit down and sure. be like, okay, everybody decide what the camp is going to be. Okay, guys, what makes some skill checks for camp? Okay, guys. Who's going to tell the story this time? All right. And then next 10 minutes later, all right, who's telling the story this time yeah. and so on? Yeah. If there's a lot of travel, yeah, you don't want to overdo it. Right. But I mean, doing it maybe once a session mm-hmm. can, it can give the players some, some chance to flex their creative muscles and come up with some cool world building and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really like that. So going with that question <laughs> or go, going with with that solution to the next question. Um, our next question comes from Potato Plunderer. Uh, on email, how do I create stories of fiction, like myths and legends, within a game? Yes. yes. My my first suggestion is have the players do it. Yeah. Let I mean, the players come up with your, your lore. Because, I mean, like, myths and legends come from the people of the land. Your mm-hmm. players are playing characters who live in that land. Yeah. Well, why may, why not have them come up with it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, there's... I'm not saying you should do this for every myth and legend. Right. But, like, that is a great way to do it. And even if they say something that is at odds with the rest of the world building you've done. It's a myth and a, a legend. It's a myth and a legend. Since when are myths and legends true? Yeah. Like it's, you know, there's going to be some things like, like it's 
it's always in, you know, stories and movies and stuff where like when you're hearing a legend, you hear it like, you know, something that's important to the overall story and you're, mm-hmm. but you're hearing it from several different sources. There's always like a little detail that's off here and there, you yeah. know, like, you know, some, some person's going to, you know, like, like the hero of the story is going to change, you know, race and gender depending on who's sure. telling it and sure. that sort of thing, you know? So like, it, you know, it, so if the player is going to make something up, that's a little crazy, you know, so what? That that's yeah. that's their version of it. That's that's what their dad told them when they were little. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you can, like, I think that is that is the first thing I would recommend is having the players take some sort of an active part in coming up with the myths and legends. Mm-hmm. And then you, as the DM, you can decide. Okay, are any of these true? If so, which ones are true, and how true are they? Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Other than that, if you are, if you the DM are trying to create stories of fiction in your game. Um, I would say try to think up what are some important events in history, in, in the history of your world. Maybe there's a point where the king took power or there's there was a big cataclysm that split a continent in half or, or you know, the elves came from another plane of existence or something. Think of various moments in history that would be important. Mm-hmm. And then think, what's a way that I can twist this a little bit? either to just make the actual event more interesting or to make people's retellings of the event more interesting. Sure. So again, not all myths and legends should be true. If they are, they're not myths and legends, they're history. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea of myths and legends, like it's supposed to be more exciting, you know, like yeah. there's a, there's a story that you're telling. Like you don't, if there's a story that gets told from person to person, 10 times, it doesn't get less interesting with each retelling. Right. That's not how stories work. Yeah. It's the guy, like the king that took power, maybe originally the story is, okay, yeah, this king, he was, he was a normal guy. He rose to power, drove, you know, led the people to victory, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a few tellings down the line, he's not a normal person. He's a demigod and he used his magical powers to like enhance the strength of all of the people of his country. And so that's why people in that country are really strong. It's not because they have good food and money and health and healthcare and everything is right. because they were given this magical power from a demigod. Sure. You know, so mm. think of an actual event and then think of how that would mutate over time. Right. Yeah. Which spoilers, that's how myths and legends, Actually, most myths and yeah. legends happened. Right. Yeah. Some of them are just false, but a lot of them are an actual occurrence that then got twisted and manipulated as the years went on. Yeah. So, mm. uh, you know, that's, that's where you should start. And then that's how, kind of how you should, let it go. Yeah. Another thing you can do kind of along the same lines is think of something that people in your world have to deal with that they don't like. Mm. And then think of what is the wackiest explanation I can think of ever. So mm. like, let's say there's a lot of rain. Okay. Yeah. This area has a lot of rain. Okay. Um, well, there is a demon that lives in the sky and it cries a lot. So that's where all the rain comes from. Mm-hmm. Someone in the world can believe that. Right. You can make that into a legend, or um, or just like the the way that like sort of people become uh de- like you know certain things become demonized. It's like well okay like we don't like the rain. Mm-hmm. We also don't like Jim next door. Yeah, the rain comes from Jim. You know like <laughs> it's Jim's fault. He's a he's a witch and yeah. he he makes the rain and we hate it. Yeah, I've talked about in in my own personal campaign setting. I've changed the backstory of tieflings. Right. Yeah. That they are not actual demons. They're just the the 
the citizens that uh, people have hated for a long time. Right. And so when you have to tell your kids a, a boogeyman story, you tell them about the demon that happens to share qualities with the family down the street that nobody likes. Right. Yeah. So that's why people think of demons as having red skin and horns and mm. tails and that sort of thing can can become insidious. And then mm. over thousands of years, people believe that. Yeah. And then maybe that's why actual demons look that way, because demons shape themselves to oh. look like people's fears. Neat. Maybe. Or you could just change the way the demons look and say that, that that's that's not they're not related at all. Right. Yeah. But, you know, th- that is a way that is like a real world thing that happens. Sure. Yeah. So that is a very easy way to make. Myths and legends within your game. Mm-hmm. I think myths and legends within your game are great. Every game should have myths, legends, rumors, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That is how you build a world. You you could do without a world map if you have myths and legends and rumors in place mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Nobody actually likes like reading real history. It's boring. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like... Well, I mean, like parts of history are exciting, mm-hmm. but those are the ones that get retold and retold and retold sure, and sure. then become more and more fantastical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty, that's a, that's a pretty fun way to, yeah, to, to like fill out the world. Yeah. So uh, I don't really think we need much more on that question, but again, put it in the hands of your players. Mm-hmm. That's, that should be like, that is a, I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah. And then second, come up with a very mundane thing that happened and then just like, blow it up in every every way you can with a big enough game table like if there's enough players yeah maybe even play a game of telephone <laughs> you know you start at one end so yeah that the, yeah. the dm will describe an actual thing that happened in history yeah. we'll with tell, some superfluous details right you know we'll tell it to the player on it on on, it, on their left mm-hmm. and then that player will take you know to, the, to their left and so on and retell it and retell it until it gets around back to the dm and then the dm says okay the legend goes as follows like you know like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty good i uh that's a great idea yeah. if you have a big enough group you should yeah. definitely try that yeah there, there there would probably be like have to be like a minimum of like i don't know like five players or something for that to actually like yeah you could even if you have like several weeks in advance mm-hmm. but you have a smaller group without letting them write it down tell it to one player and then next week have them tell it to another player sure have them tell it to another one and then eventually <laughs> make its way back to you that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> oh. um so now, kind of in keeping with both of those questions. Oh, sure. Kind of. Uh, our next question comes from Noah Wizard on Discord. What would a and d party made up of entirely bards be like? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe not. Although the, the traditional idea of a bard is they are the storyteller. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, they'd, one, they'd, they'd be all about telling stories. Yeah, yeah. One answer of this is they could be that group that's making up all the stories about uh, yeah. about the world. They're just like, yeah, ev- like every camp they're sitting around telling stories. Yeah. Um, in fifth edition, it'd be a, I think it'd be a well-rounded party. Well, yeah. So I'll, I'll say I don't really think there's going to be a good, satisfying answer no. to this because it could be anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. But let's yeah. If you got some ideas, toss well, them out. Well, I like I know I know Noah put this out there with with the intention of uh, getting to me because I because I've expressed my <laughs> love of the fifth edition bard because yeah. they are so well-rounded and each they have several archetypes that you know several um speci- uh, specializations that could yep. basically fit into any role. Um. And like they can still do those roles pretty well, pretty well. Yeah. You know, they can do a fighter sort of role, maybe not as good as a fighter, but maybe eighty percent. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, like you know, you got your axe and axe and surge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. fighters are definitely going to be the best fighters. Sure, 
but a, but a bard built to be a fighter is still going to get some work done. And have a bunch of other stuff to make up for the the abilities they didn't get. Right. They're still going to have their spells, their bardic inspiration and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Although most of their specializations usually like turn those inspirations into something else. Well, okay. not turn, but give them a different option. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it'll be like you can use it normally or with the like fightery one. I think it's like it gives them a bonus to their role or something like that. Like, okay. You know, they, it's something to help with their combat. Um, maybe give some bonus damage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, it'd be well-rounded cause like bards can be like super great support healers. Yeah. Um, some would argue they're the best healers. In fact, I, I feel like they like just because of all the other stuff they can do, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the healing they're you know, are, yeah, they're probably the best healers. Yeah. Um, you know, they could be very sneaky, rogue, mm-hmm. you know, they can, you know, they have plenty of good spells to, to, to work with. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of like utility stuff. They might not be getting like meteor swarm or anything, but right. they're still like they they get ninth level spells. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do yeah. they get meteor swarm? They, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Sorry. know. I, Sorry, go on. I don't think so. <laughs> I, you know, like usually with bards, you're looking at more like enchantment and illusion mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. but they you know they get some other ones too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just you could have a well-rounded group if everyone's a bard. You can still fill out each role. You know. Yeah. Like you need a healer, you got it. You need someone for damage, you got it. You need some, you know, you need some spells, you know, thrown around for, you know, who knows what. You got that. Um, yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah. So, so what would it be like? It would be insufferable because they're too good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible to DM for. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I feel, I feel like you could, you could put some challenges in front of them that mm-hmm. would really, it would really benefit to have somebody more focused. Sure on it you know like i yeah you know, because I, I feel like if you stretch yourself too thin you know yeah that's you, true you, you might come across something that might not be that would be trivial to a fighter but to a bard in a fighter you know role might be a little bit rough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah it, 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 it depends on the on the challenge and like the abilities that would be required yeah um do you know um so there's the the common expression jack of all trades master of none right that is actually only the first half of the expression Oh. Uh, the full expression is kind of the opposite of that. It is ma- Jack of all trades, master of none, still better than master of one. Huh? So like it's original intent was to be you're even if you're not a master of anything, you're still better than the guy who's only a master of one thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people just cut off the second half and only remember the first half, which makes it seem like, oh, well, you're the master of none. Yeah. You're not the master of anything. Pff, get out of here. It's like, no, I'm the Jack of all trades. Yeah. You know, like. This is a tangent, but another expression that people have cut off the second half of the meaning, second half of the saying, and it's completely changed the meaning, is uh, people say blood is thicker than water. Okay. Originally, that expression was blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb. The blood is thicker than water is taken to mean blood is a stronger connection than a, f- a friendship. But the actual saying, blood of the covenant, is saying a deal you've made with someone is stronger than water of the womb. So a deal, you, a friend can be stronger than family. Interesting. So isn't, yeah, that, isn't like, that weird? It's a forgotten second half that means the opposite, that makes it mean the opposite exactly, of what exactly. people think. And that, to take it back to the last question, uh-huh. um, myths and legends sometimes make things complete. Like when things get told enough times, mm-hmm. you completely lose the meaning. And it becomes the complete opposite. Maybe that king that everybody's talking about is a demigod that 
gave everybody superpowers. Maybe he was actually a complete and total jerk. <laughs> he was not a good person at all. He only got power through slavery. And then the only reason everybody in, in the, the city is really strong is because like he did a eugenics program or something oh, and killed off all the weak people so that only the strong people could procreate. Right. You know, Oof. anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, so a party of D and D bars, a D and D party of bards could be just about anything. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds cool to me. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it sounds like an interesting, an interesting idea for, you know, for for a uh, campaign. Yeah, there, there was a time where we wanted to, or no, we didn't intend to it to do it, but we were we, all ended up being a different specialization of wizard. Yes, unintentionally, we yeah. all made our characters on our own and then came to the table. Um, for a while, a long time ago, there was a point where I wanted to make a party of fourth edition fighters, mm. each fighter having a different specialization mm. because in fourth edition, I, I felt fighter was really, really good for that. Like if you wanted to, you could make a fighter that was like really, really good at, at, at being a tank. You could make a fighter that was really good at being sneaky and using like daggers and such. Mm. If you wanted to multi-class into cleric because multi-classing was completely different in that edition, you were still a fighter. Like you would still technically be a fighter right. just with like, you'd spend a feet and get a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cleric abilities. Um, you could make a fighter that was almost as good of a cleric as a cleric. And so that was my, that was the way I would have done it in fourth edition was make a party of fighters. But in fifth edition, Hey, make a party of bards and you're halfway there. Uh, well, anyway, so that'll, I think that'll do it for our, uh, regular discussion questions for today, but we do still have our social media discussion questions. Mm -hmm. Last week's question was, you can make an adventuring party comprising four characters from popular fiction, but no more than one per franchise. Who do you pick? Crap. I didn't, I didn't think of anything. Shoot. That's all right. That's all right. I, uh, I think I said the, the league of extraordinary Thors. The league of extraordinary was what Thors. I was, what I was going with. Uh, take it back. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, well, that's right. I had, I had, uh, I had Greg house from house MD. Yeah. In, in yeah. There Cause I, you know, like he's addicted to solving puzzles pretty much yeah like that like that's his character it's like he's addicted to solving puzzles and it's like okay well so at any puzzle in a dungeon somewhere you got your guy yeah you know and he's gonna figure it out or kill somebody trying oh man if we were gonna if i were to expand this and make like much more of a discussion out of it it would have been cool to say and then who would the villain be and the villain would have to be someone from another franchise oh okay you know yeah who'd make yeah who'd make a good villain for that group yeah okay uh but we got we got a few responses from people on social media mm -hmm. <laughs> we got a bunch on facebook most of which were just uh animated gifts from justin oh, yeah, from no, crit academy yeah, yeah justin justin submitted his four characters in the form of gifts and unfortunately i don't, really... I don't know who some of them are yeah i don't know who uh, the first one is so sure. laith says Ong from Avatar. Did I say that right? Ong. Uh, Ang. Is it Ang? Oh, no, shoot. I said it. I said it the way that uh, the crappy movie said it. Oh, no. Okay. I need to do this part over. Are Can I record this part over? I, I don't know. I guess I can't. it's already on. It's on film. I can't say it. All right. So <laughs> Ang from Avatar. Uh -huh. I'm sorry, everybody. I've never seen Avatar. But uh, Sherlock Holmes, Jon Snow, and Hawkeye from MASH. Not Hawkeye oh. from, from the Avengers. But Hawkeye, Hawkeye from, MASH. from MASH. That's a, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. That's uh, that was Lath. <laughs> Sean says Batman, Sherlock, Donatello, Mel Reynolds. Okay, no one is getting past them. It's <laughs> pretty good. I didn't even think of uh, of of Firefly. Yeah, I didn't uh, think. I didn't me. I didn't think of Ninja Turtles. Like, I, like of course. I mean, there's there's so there's so many good answers. Yeah, there let are, me just just make that clear. Um, pretty good. Uh, my friend Haley, actually, she hasn't. Uh, I don't think she's replied to anything for a very long time. Haley says Sam from Lord of the Rings. Good. 
Brienne from Game of Thrones. Awesome. Eleven from Stranger Things. Okay. And Deadpool. Dang. That's a good team. I almost feel like Deadpool should be the DM. <laughs> I mean, he's always breaking the fourth of his wall. Fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then Justin has a gif of a guy in a white shirt and tie looking upward. Right. I, I I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know, know who, who that is. Yeah. He's got Goku. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. And then uh, one Doctor of, Who. One of the doctors. Uh, oh, and Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Wait a minute. Oh, that's somebody else. Wait, hold on. Oh, is that, no, is that's, there... that's somebody else. Sorry. Oh, shoot. Last two. Last two were from somebody else. Doctor Who and uh, Darth Vader, and then Iron Man and Worf. Worf were all from uh, Jeremiah. Oh, oh wait, so wait, wait, Justin. Uh, and then okay, Puss in Boots. Wait, this now is, he's got Doctor House on there too. This is gonna be real confusing. So <laughs> I, I think they were posting these at the same time. Yeah, maybe because we've got two from Justin. Wait, we got five from Justin, four from Justin. Here. <clears throat> We got five from Justin and four from But Justin Jeremiah. thinks house would be good too. Justin does think house and also Puss in Boots. Yeah, and also Puss in Boots from Shrek. From Shrek. So, <laughs> sorry everybody listening at home. That was probably real confusing. <laughs> go look at our Facebook. Yeah, go check our Facebook That'll out. That'll make it's, sense. Uh... <laughs> um, uh, we didn't get any on Facebook. Shame. Uh, none on Twitter, which is, that's unexpected. Double. We usually get a ton on Twitter. Double shame. Uh, and then on Discord, however... Uh, Adam B says, Doctor Strange, Sherlock Holmes, Khan, and Aquaman. <laughs> Which I'm guessing is because, uh, did did Benedict Cumberbatch play Aquaman? Not that I'm aware of. No, that's... Because Doctor Strange, Sherlock Holmes, and I think it's Khan. He wrote Karn. I think it's supposed to be Khan from yeah. uh, Star Trek yeah, Star that's Trek what... Beyond or whatever. Yeah, that's what I thought he meant too. But no, uh, Aquaman is played by um, uh, Jason Momoa. Oh, okay. Which well, I mean, like, still a good group. I mean, okay. you know. Well, so three bumble scum <laughs> bucket crunder cucumber dunder. sickles uh, was <laughs> bucket crunder dunder. <laughs> yes. Uh, Stiltskin Kupo 84 says Spawn, Batman, Star Lord, and Grace from Grace Under Fire <laughs> just for the intra party conflict. <laughs> the okay. last one seems a bit out of the blue, but okay. Right, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mary Sue says Doctor Strange, Sherlock Holmes, Khan, and Wonder Woman. So three Benedict Cumberbatches and a and, and a Godot. Yeah. Uh, Jason on here um, asked the question: Are they making a strong team, a balanced team, a fun team, or just four people they want to hang out with? I didn't really specify. Right. Just a, an adventuring party. So like, right. what, however you you define adventuring party yeah. to be. Um, Yodelea he who said Professor X, Tim Drake, Shallon Davar. And Satel Sean. I don't know those last two ones. So yeah, I mean either. Um, the beverage T has uh, some good ones. Uh, the T eight hundred model from Terminator. Mm-hmm. Prince from Purple Rain. Uh, for, yeah, for like the I think the, the artist formerly Prin- known as Prince. The artist. Well, he's, he's Prince now. There's presently known as Prince. Presently. Well, I guess he died. So formerly known as the former Prince. T eight hundred Prince MacGyver and Yoda. MacGyver and Yoda. And then, specifically Empire Strikes Back Yoda. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Empire Strikes Back Yoda. Um, so uh, Jason clarified after, after my my response, uh, Jason clarified that if he's going for the fighter, priest, mage, thief criteria, he would go Wonder Woman would be the cleric. Mm-hmm. Zarya from Overwatch is the fighter. Good. Black Widow is the rogue. And uh-huh. Hermione is the mage. Oh, yeah. I never would have thought to have Hermione, but that's a great answer. I, she's the freaking best. Like, yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's one hell of a mage. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, and sorry, this is a, a small tangent, but I, it's definitely worth mentioning. Jason points out that apparently, according to the writers of the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, which is 
Margaret Scott, who we uh, we, <laughs> we mentioned in the last episode. Uh, Peter Quill is a bard. Groot is the cleric or druid. Uh-huh. Drask is the fighter or barbarian. And Gamora is the rogue. And then Rocket is a wizard. <laughs> so I think that makes a lot of sense. Peter Quill as a bard makes a lot of sense. He does literally challenge the BBEG at, to a, uh, yeah, the dance, a off dance to off. Say, dance off to save so, the universe. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Rocket is the wizard that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause like, yeah. yeah, he just sort of like pulls stuff out of nowhere. You know, he's, Oh yeah. yeah I didn't even think of that. He's just like, you know, like, okay, he's got a big gun now. And it's like, all right, that's, that's what the wizard's there for. He's the big gun. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then just a couple more. Damien from adventures in Aurelia says, Albus Dumbledore is the sorcerer. Eli Monpress is the rogue. Eli Monpress is from the legend of Eli Monpress, whatever that is. Mm. He's a, some sort of a rogue. Richard Rall is a fighter. He is from the uh, legend of the seeker or sort of the truth, sort of truth. Okay. And then Durzo Blint is a rogue slash ranger. Durzo Blint, that sounds from familiar. the Night Angels trilogy. Okay. Huh. Uh, and then uh, um, Noah Wizard says, Locutus of Borg <gasps> as the tank, oh. which is such a good answer. How, Dang it. I love it. That's great. So Locutus of Borg, River Song of Doctor Who as the DPS. Okay, yes. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so Hank Pym's wife, I don't recall what her first name is, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, and then Josh Lyman of the West Wing for when the party needs to talk its way out of things. <laughs> Josh, okay. So of course, of course, you would have somebody from West Wing. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love. He him. is a a big big uh, fan of the West Wing. Yeah. Oh, it's so, a great show. It's yeah. a great show. If you guys have, if nobody's seen the West Wing, <laughs> go watch the West I, Wing. I am hoping because at my work, I uh, I have Bluetooth earbuds now, so mm-hmm. I can watch basically anything on my phone. I do want to start listening to rather while I'm yeah. working. I want to start listening to the West Wing. And I mean, the West Wing is mostly talking. Yeah. Like it's Aaron Sorkin. The whole well, he's he all does walking and talking. You know, so at least you have. Half of the show. Yeah. No, but no, that, that actually would be a good show to just listen to. Cool. Um, so that was uh, that was the social media question from last week. This week's question, and this is this maybe putting you on the spot, so don't you don't have to have an answer immediately. But oh, gosh. What is your favorite fantasy-themed joke or riddle? Oh. My current favorite is, I once brought a honeycomb and a jackass into a brothel. You know, you know what? I'll tell the I, rest later. <laughs> I know this reference because somebody was posting about it on Reddit and someone posted in the book. He actually says the joke. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in the show, I guess he never actually gets to finish it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good one. Um, I didn't really put a ton of thought into this at the moment. Maybe I'll have a better one for next time. But where does a and d player write down his uh, kobold follower on his character sheet? <laughs> in under ammunition. Ammunition. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah. Favorite th- fantasy themed joke or riddle. So yeah, make us laugh, everybody. <laughs> no pressure. That'll do it for our questions for today. So before we close out, um, let's let's wind down a mm-hmm. little bit. Let's, uh, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's remember those who have come before us, maybe the, the bards who tell the stories of the adventurers who have uh, given their lives mm. so that we may live in a better world uh-huh. as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. This funeral pyre story was submitted by Bonicula83 on Discord, and it is uh, another short one. Here's my funeral pyre submission. I made a character. He walked up to the Tomb of Horrors. He died. (laughs) I made a second character for the second run. He died. Oh. I played a third character for the Tomb of Horrors. He died before getting in. (laughs) That's it. Oh, no. 
So let's raise a glass in memory of Baniculus, three characters who should have learned to use a raking motion. Oh, gosh. Clink. Clink. <laughs> so that's a reference to in the original uh, first edition Tomb of Horrors. You had to, in order to find the entrance, you had to describe the type of motion you were doing with the type of implement you were using to dig through this hill that it was located under. Right. And you had to use a raking motion. Yeah, it was, that was specifically a raking Specifically motion. a raking motion with like a, an object that was like three feet long or longer. So that was, that's been a running gag in our friend group for a long Gosh. time. You got to use a raking motion. Yep. Yep. So that'll do it for today. Uh, to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty Discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. And speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, record them or write them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time, use a raking motion. There you go.